0: Good afternoon, patriots. Welcome to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today, we'll answer the question, whose children are they? We'll have parents in Pennsylvania getting a big win against their school board. We have more smoke and mirrors from the Biden administration. Continued COVID fear-mongering. And we'll be giving out our March Dolt of the Month award next on Living with Liberty. (music) Whose children are they? That is the question we need to be asking ourselves. Really, it should be a reminder to ourselves. As the answer is, they are our children. But in order for socialism and communism to take hold, they can't be our children. They must become the state's children. That is why there has been such a massive temper tantrum by the left, and such vitriol hurled at parents who are standing up and defending their children. Children are the key to the kingdom if they can be kept uneducated, if they can be emotionally manipulated, if they can be convinced to blindly follow directions, then the left has the compliant population it needs to implement its dystopian utopia. In order to do that, they must confuse children. They must blur the lines between objective truth and fantasy. Children's individuality must be broken down. They must be dehumanized. In order to do that, their innocence must be taken from them. And that must be done at a young age. That is the reason for the overt sexualization attempts on our children. Children are easy targets because they are so malleable. They blindly trust because they have not been jaded by life. It's the predator separating the weakest one from the herd principle here. Children don't know what they don't know. Children only know what they've been taught. And no matter how much the left screams and yells about systemic racism, about homophobia... Children are, are taught these things. Children are taught to hate. They are taught through the the, the so-called diversity, equity and, and inclusion principles that they have to hate, that they must dislike somebody because of their immutable characteristics. That's what these things have been bastardized to accomplish, to accomplish the left's just taking over the minds of our children. So in order to implement socialism and communism, the first target has to be the children. And the, uh, the parents have to be, uh, they, they have to be basically humiliated. They have to be told that they are domestic terrorists for defending The hearts and the minds of their children. Now, adults are set in their ways, and they an experience jades a person, no matter how much. How much you say, I'm open-minded. I'm adults get to a point, they have the experience, they become wise to the ways of the world, they become jaded in in certain instances, and because of that. The smart adults that, that continue to think for themselves, that learn from that experience, they will question everything. So you can't go after the adults. The left cannot go after the adults because they will resist. We're seeing that now. So they attack the kids and they attack the parents to dehumanize both kids and parents so they can accomplish what they want to accomplish, which is in, in uh, uh, implementing a an authoritarian form of government. Kids don't know what they don't know. They are told to respect adults in authority, so they blindly trust. They think they're being told something that is right and good and true, so they blindly follow that, and then they go home and tell their parents what they learned, and then they go home and tell their parents that their parents are wrong, that the values that those parents have been instilling their whole life are the wrong values. The whole operation is to keep children confused, to tell them girls can be boys and vice versa. Because that dehumanizes them. It keeps them confused. It doesn't allow them to think for themselves. You keep telling the lie often enough, they start to believe it because kids don't know what they don't know. To keep them confused... Enablers allow children to roam the halls of their schools as cats or unicorns or whatever else they feel like being that day. They don't teach them anything other than what to think. So then the moment someone challenges their worldview, they start screaming like a lunatic and either totally shut down and retreat to a safe space or they go out and burn something down. All of this without being able to articulate why they hold their viewpoint or engage in any sort of reasonable debate because they've never been taught. Children must be taught these things. If they're taught to go and uh, that, that they're always great and that their viewpoint's the only one that matters and this is what you need to think and this is what's good and true and they're never taught, how to articulate why they believe that, then the only logical you know, conclusion here is to go out and throw a temper tantrum or to retreat into a safe space. And of course, this is all by design. Our country has to be destroyed from the inside, and that starts with our children. It takes decades of grooming kids and dumbing down the education system to get to the point we are at now. This has been going on for decades. It's all part of the stated goals of installing communism in the U.S. And this has been going on for decades. Now, on January 10th, 1963, Congressman Albert Herlong of Florida read a list of 45 communist goals into the congressional record. And there were several that pertain. children in our schools. I'll read through those. We'll discuss them a little bit. So the first one is number 17 on the list that was read into the congressional record. It's get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. And if you think about that, I did a, a, a segment on a show a while back about the Confucius Institutes that have sprung up on Campuses all across our country. What do those Confucius institutes promote? Chinese Communist Party propaganda. Where are they? They're within our schools. So they've essentially accomplished in in some form or fashion here, number 17 on their goal list, get control of the schools. How big of a fight have we seen now anytime we go? as parents, and say this is propaganda. You're not going to over-sexualize my child that is in kindergarten with this crap. And the parents are the ones that's wrong here. It's, It's the shaming of the parents. That's all part of this. And number 17 goes on. It continues with this. It says, soften the curriculum. Common core, anyone? Let's, 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 Teach math mountains. Let's not teach that two plus two equals four. Let's do a math mountain to tr- to try and get the answer under the guise of it's. It helps promote critical thinking skills. It doesn't. It just confuses everyone. Math is objective. It, it it's one of the things that it's an A to B direction. There's no. Going A to C to B in math, there you have a problem and you have an answer, and there's a set way to get there. But they've created this common core with these math mountains and whatever else to, to under the guise of we're promoting critical thinking and teaching kids how to solve problems. No, you're not. You're con- It's all to confuse them, and the parents end up confused because they don't know how to do it. So see how it all flows back to the the home now? And the last part of number 17, get control of teacher associations. Put the party line in textbooks. And how often have we seen that now? 18, gain control of all student newspapers to promote the – this is just, you know, continuing to promote the propaganda, promote the communist agenda, insert it into the student newspapers. Nineteen use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations that are under communist attack. How much or how many of the peaceful, pro, mostly peaceful protests that did we see over the the summer of twenty twenty that included tons of students? How many students did we see on college campuses pulling statues down or in cities pulling statues down? It wasn't. The 80-year-old Vietnam vet, it wasn't your Gen Xer, it was the students in college. It was the millennials that had been through the schools already and had been indoctrinated in this crap. Use the students as the vehicle for public protests against anything that stands for freedom and liberty. Twenty-five. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. And this is out in the open. I mean, the the Disney stuff that's come out in the last week or two, they're they're not hiding it anymore. It's, oh, yeah, we're going to put this in there. And, And you know what? Eventually, it's going to kill these companies that do this. It's leeching out of from, you know, the Playboys and the, the Hustlers and whatever else. And, and, and you know, the, the, the adult video store movies into just everyday life. It's in books. Go look at the books in your, your, your students' libraries, particularly at the high school level, even the middle school level go look at what that what's in those books I've brought that up before they are breaking down the standards of morality they've destroyed the family they've they've pushed christianity and religion to the fringe and now they're attacking the kids you get any sort of you push away the objective truth you push away the binds or the ties that bind everybody together within the family, and that's the family unit. And now you can start putting this crap out there like it's normal. 26% homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Again, go back to 25. You see that in the books, the, the TV, right down to Disney and their crap shows they have on for tweens and teens. And again, everything that they came out with. Uh, And we've seen from Disney over the last few weeks. 28, eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on grounds that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. So they've taken and bastardized what the separation of church and state means. They've found an activist judge that says, yeah, you can't do anything churchy in schools. That's not what the separation of church and state is. The separation of church and state says the church cannot rule the state. Think, uh, call it medieval England when the Church of England ruled. the 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 um uh, you know Holy Roman Empire, the Catholic Empire. The church cannot rule, cannot be the governing body of the state, and the state can't put in place a national religion or a state religion when we're down to our state. That's what the separation of church and state is. It's keeping church and state separate as far as a governing body goes. It's not eliminating prayer or religious expression from the schools. You see how they take and they they have bastardized this over the the course of of decades now, how this so-called progressive thinking has leached its way in, has crept its way in and pushed out everything that tied us together, the commonalities that tied us together, like family, like religion like holding people accountable, like absolute truth that we have two genders. 29, discredit the Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. 29 is the gateway to one world government. Our Constitution, the strongest one in the world, is a hindrance to the new world order. It's a hindrance to a select few ruling the entire world. Why do you think we don't have a southern border? Why do you think in schools they've driven out any sort of talk about the Constitution? any sort of teaching about the Constitution other than the cursory, yeah, we have a Constitution, you know, here's the Bill of Rights. It doesn't teach kids what it actually means, the power that's that the, the document itself holds and how it upholds their God-given rights. No, we just glance over it as a, you know, maybe a, a one-day topic and we throw a couple questions on the test. It's all a part to discredit it, so we have open borders. So there's no uh, strong United States, and we tell kids that yeah, it was it's a 250 year old document. It doesn't do much for us anymore. What do you think that does? Plants the seed in a malleable child's mind that uh, that Constitution it it's it's against everything that I've been told I need to believe in. It's holding me back from from doing what I want. It, and that's the total opposite of what the Constitution stands for. The Constitution stands for allowing us to be free, allowing us to do what we want to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. But in order for communism to take hold, you it, the, the Constitution has to be discredited. You cannot have something that that says the government will uphold the rights of the people. You need to get people thinking that we need to get rid of this thing because it's, it, it goes against our rights. It, it, it wants to take our rights away 31 belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Again, you have to go after the culture. You have to tell kids that our culture is evil. Why do you think there's such a focus on our history and only the bad parts of our history? It's to discredit our founding how we got to this point it's to discredit how great of a country this actually is and that uh, there's some good things that happen but that doesn't matter by and large we're a racist homophobic country that doesn't want anybody coming into it you have to attack the culture in order to implement communism Number 40 on the list, discredit the family as an institution. We've covered that already. Family is what ties us all together. That's the unit that provides safety, security, and a sense of self for the child. You have to get rid of it in order to break down the child and uh, get them thinking that socialism and communism is a good thing and that families suck so you have to discredit the family as something much like the constitution it's an old and outdated concept free love you can love who you love you can do what you want again and and that's also part of the thing of uh going back to confusing kids 41 Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. And it's, again, the the parent. It's our children. They're our children, not the state's. The state doesn't view it like that. The state views, views it as these are our children. We need them to keep our power going. We need mindless drones to keep our power going. We need to get them away from their parents. And how often have we seen this? Now, the Supreme Court has upheld cases about um, taking children out out of the home without due cause, needing more than a suspicion of child abuse and neglect. But that's where that all came from. Why do you, Child Protective Services, I'm not saying that we don't, you know, need it. We need to protect our children. But where do you think these things get born out of? It's these kinds of ideas. You get a lot of good people in these these jobs then that, that by and large, are doing what they should be doing. They follow up on reports of abuse and neglect. Absolutely, but. This is ripe for abuse. It's ripe for ideologues to say, "Uh, you know what, that parent's teaching their kid the Constitution. They're teaching them to, they're raising them with good Christian values. We got to get them out of that home. And we have to emphasize that. Just look sometimes at the, you know, the, the contrast between your local municipality, whether it be a county, state, whatever, child, we call it, I think, Department of Health Services here in Wisconsin. It falls under there. It's probably various names elsewhere. Look at what their stated goals are and how they go about accomplishing them versus what your church might have versus what the Bible says you should do and how you should raise your kids. The state needs our kids to continue its power. In order to instill an authoritarian government, you need compliant people. In order to get compliant people, you need to start training them when they are still moldable. That is why our children are the targets. We also have to be careful not to vilify all teachers and administrators when we're doing this yes there have been problems in schools we've all seen the videos we've all seen uh project veritas and that lunatic out in california who was admitted on camera he's training up revolutionaries who admitted on camera to give them extra credit they have to go to my leftist bullcrap rallies we've seen all those that's the very uh it's a vast minority it needs to be addressed absolutely the the problem is the step up on all the other crap that's creeped into our curriculum like i said there are absolute lunatics out there who have been clearly ba- brainwashed and view it as their mission to indoctrinate our children. Into their twisted way of thinking, using their power of of an authority figure as a teacher to do so. We've all seen those TikTok videos. There's more of of them coming out every day. However, the vast majority of teachers and administrators truly believe they are doing what's best for the children. In many cases, they are. A lot of them see what's going on and and fight it the best they can from the inside. But... They're looking at it from the lens of, I have to do what's best for this child. Because when it comes to children, it's always presented as an emotional plea. The level of destruction the left has wreaked on the family is used to play on the emotions of teachers. You see how this is all coming together now? First, destroy the family. Then that makes teachers who are employees of the state, uh, if they're in a public education setting, then become the surrogate parent. The teachers have become the psychologists. The teachers have become the emotional uh, support mechanism for children. It's been the destruction of the family unit. And what that does to kids, that plays on the emotions of teachers, and, and, and it's only human nature. They want to help the kids out in any way possible. And what they do is, okay, we've got to train these kids now. The message comes down. The narrative is we've got to help from a, a public education standpoint in particular that we have to train the next generation to be a kinder and gentler generation, more tolerant. When in fact, as the, the subsequent generations have become less and less tolerant and less and less able to articulate and debate a position intelligently. It's come to the point where teachers, by proxy of being government employees, are children or, or, or are raising our children. Our children have become de facto wards of the state. Not in all cases, of course, but by and large, particularly your liberal-run cities, is where it's especially bad. bad. Rural areas, um, you tend to get like-minded conservative people who still uphold those values. I see it in our district here. Children are an emotional flash, flashpoint. We all hate to see children suffer. That is why it's so easy to manipulate people into thinking they need to follow the instructions, so to speak, in teaching our children. You need to, these books, we need to put these books in the library. Yeah, you know, never mind that it promotes nudity, that there's uh, explicit uh, content in them, put them in a library. In states, many have laws on the books exempting elementary and secondary schools, so your elementary and middle and high schools, uh, libraries and schools in general, from any... Sort of prosecution for having these in the library. Whereas if you or I were to give a kid these books on the street, we could be prosecuted for felonies. This is children are an emotional flashpoint. We hate to see them suffer. So it becomes so easy to put this in. Teachers, teachers are like you and I. They just want to keep doing their job. They want to keep their job. They just want to come in they want they love kids they want to educate kids every day that's why they signed up to be a teacher they want to keep their job and the states and the schools just want those dollars coming in from the federal government so they toe the line and as required put stuff in the curriculum that the government tells them that the department of education which should be abolished it's useless by the way but they toe the line do as they're told to get them Strings attached money for their budgets to close their budget gaps. We have to remember that our children do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They are our children. We as parents instill the, value, uh, the values and morals within them, not schools. We need to push back when our voices aren't being heard and schools fail to stay in their lane of educating students. Notice I didn't say teachers. I said schools. Push it all the way back to your state departments of education if need be. Are there some teachers that need to be reminded that their lane is educating students, not pushing their political views, their uh, family views, their uh, sexuality views on kids? Yes, absolutely. But we need to push back on that. We need to push back on when schools fail to stay in their lane. Of educating students. They are not the state's children. They are our children, and they need lions who will stand up for them. Sticking with our theme of children, and parents for that matter, parents are scoring some big wins. Now, parents in Westchester, Pennsylvania, in the uh, school district there, successfully had five school board members removed for what they deemed and termed in their uh, complaint, illegal and unconstitutional actions in regards to continuing the district mass mandate after the state had dropped the requirement. A parent, Beth Ann Rossica, filed a petition to have five of the board members removed. I would assume these would be the five board members responsible for voting this thing in or uh, upholding the mandate for the district. And she said this in an article uh, that was run in the Epic Times. Uh, Beth Ann said, "When that was lifted, the state mandate, all of us parents started emailing, calling, showing up at school board meetings, asking our school board to amend their health and safety plan and to allow for optional masking." Sounds a lot like. Uh, what happened all over this country when when those restrictions started be, being lifted, or, and even before, quite honestly. They, they were mandates. They weren't laws. Legislatures didn't pass these things. They were government edicts that people blindly followed anyway. Now, according to the article, eventually the district did lift the mass mandate, but the petition request remained relevant because in August... The board passed a new health and safety plan, which allows the board to impose future mandatory masking at various levels of COVID-19 transmission. Did you see what they did there? This, this, this board left themselves a back door to do what they wanted to do. They left themselves a back door to squash first these kids freedom of choice, their rights, their liberties. And second, they tried to thumb their nose at the parents who had pushed this through and probably made their life hell and rightfully so, on the parents' part anyway. I say this, parents, this is what you need to do. Stay on top of these boards that try to sneak through a back door to maintain the power to unilaterally take away yours and your children's rights on a whim. In this case, if this health and safety plan were to have been allowed to be implemented, what would stop this board from taking their proposed protocol and applying it during a bad flu season or some other viral contagion? Nothing. Once the precedent has been set, there's nothing stopping future incursions into our liberty and freedom. We've seen it. That's how we've gotten to the point we're at now. We never stood up and said, you are not going to do this. You give an inch this time, they take a mile the next time. We gave an inch on the mass mandates and they left them in place forever and people just blindly followed them. You can't give an inch to these power hungry bureaucrats. And I mean, this was at the local level, this was even still power hungry elected officials on a school board. These parents did it right, and the judge in the case got it right. The Westchester School Board left themselves an opening to try and maintain their ability to execute a unilateral uh, edict on a whim, and the judge in the case shut it down. He said, No, we're going to, these five school board members were in violation of constitutional rights and, and violating. The children's liberties. So, we're going to, you know what, we're going to shut this thing down and we're going to remove these five school board members for doing this. There's a consequence to these actions. This attempt at curbing freedom and liberty just cost five school board members their job. Remember this and be bold as we go forward and fight back against j- just these obvious power grabs. We need to be vigilant about this stuff. If we're not, we will end up in a, a surveillance state run by authoritarians. Right now, we still have our our rights. We still have the constitution in place. We have still we still have judges upholding it. We need to make sure it stays that way. Okay, on to the next story here. What is it? that the Biden administration doesn't get about markets about free market economies and the principles of supply and demand. What what are they missing here? So they're going to drain the strategic oil reserves further because gas prices aren't coming down. They the the previous 3 dips into the strategic oil reserves have done absolutely nothing just like I said they would. Anybody with just a modicum of economic common sense could have told you that dipping into the strategic oil reserves wasn't going to do a damn thing for gas prices. To this point, proven right. Now, this new plan that they've come up with is to release 1 million barrels a day for 180 days from the strategic reserves. Now, I posted this out there, and I said, this isn't going to work either. And I got told that we should give it a chance. It's too early to tell if it's going to fail. Now Here's the thing, and I hate to kind of beat this horse. I hate to to kind of do the self-promotion thing here about my experience and my, uh, my educational background, but it's apropos here. I deal day in and day out with principles of supply and demand. That's what I do. I analyze this stuff. I know what's going on in the market. I know how this stuff works. I can tell you that this isn't going to work. Even I don't need to give it a chance. It's not going to work. I mean, I, I, I have, I don't know, three or four economics courses under my belt over the course of, you know, getting my degrees. I, you know, I hate to even mention that. I hate to even mention that. Oh, yeah, look at me. I've got, eco- I've taken economics courses. I've got a business degree. I deal in supply and demand. But I, like I said, I feel it's important to establish what I know, what my experience is, what my training is to the conversation so you can be confident that I know what I'm talking about here. We have had three previous releases from the, the strategic reserves that didn't move the needle on prices, even though this person that that said, let's give it a chance, told me, well, it worked last time. Two cents is not a significant moving of price. Nobody was expecting we get back to Trump prices, uh, but two cents is... You can't call two cents a a two-cent decline on average working, that releasing oil from the strategic oil reserves had an impact. Two cents is... that's an error. That's a rounding error. That's a whim of the market. Just oh, well, it's, you know, we're we'll move it two cents today. To especially when it's been shooting up by quarters and dimes in places. Two cents is, ne- and that's on average. That's a long term over weeks. I, I think you all remember that graph that the Biden administration doctored up the the. Um, Uh, the way it was presented, so it looked like it was more significant than an actual two-cent decrease that it was, that it actually was. I mean, we've announced 60 million barrel dip into the reserves that didn't move the needle on prices. I'm pretty confident, uh, we're tripling that, I know, but I'm pretty confident that 180 million barrels released over the course of 180 days is not going to move the needle at all. It's not. You're not even flooding the market with it. You're doing a, a million barrels a day. What is that going to do? Nothing. That's, that's, a, that's like going and pissing in the ocean a million barrels a day over 180 days. It's not going to do anything. Overall, will this have maybe more impact? Maybe maybe it will. Will 180 million barrels over 180 days? Maybe, maybe, maybe the average decreases a nickel then. At the end of the day, though, it's honestly, it's not going to provide any meaningful relief at the pump. And here's why. The average and the emphasis here is on average consumption in the US is 20 million barrels of oil per day. That's the yeah. so that means it could be 18 one day 22 the next. It could be 18 for the the you know first quarter of the year and then 22 for the next quarter. It's an average we're heading into summer and it's that's typically a higher consumption season for gasoline, which means more consumption of crude oil, which means we're going to probably be using more than 20 million barrels of oil a day. The proposal here is to release 9 days of supply over the course of 180 days. What the hell do you think is going to be accomplished with this? How can you drop prices in any meaningful way? more than a nickel, more than $0.02, when you're putting nine days of supply into the system over the course of 180 days. If you would put nine days of supply into the system over the course of nine days, it might have an impact. Nine days of supply being added to the system over the course of 180 days is not going to do anything. Now, here's another reference point. Over that 180 days that they're going to release from the strategic oil reserves, we will consume 3.6 billion, billion with a B, barrels of oil. Tell me again how 180 million barrels over the course of 180 days is going to impact anything. We will not see any noticeable or meaningful reduction in gas prices until there is proof of a sustained supply of crude oil behind the release. The supply is not sustained. In order to drop prices you need in a speculative market like oil, you need to have visibility to a sustained supply backing up whatever you're doing, in this case, releasing strategic oil reserves. We don't have that. We're just going to release some oil and we expect prices to drop because we put more, more oil in the system. It doesn't work that way. That oil's that's a finite amount. We're not pumping anymore. Keystone isn't getting restarted. the outlook on supply isn't there for for the market analysts to say yes we're going to need to start trading this at a lower price because there's going to be a flood of of oil on the market it's not there and then to do this over the course of 180 what are they doing i'll tell you what they're doing in a minute but first think about this how do opec countries fund their governments with oil money what incentive do they have to increase production? And we all know that, you know, we've gone to a few handouts saying give us oil and they've told us to go to hell. What incentive do they have to increase production with prices where they are right now and little to no drop in demand? Again, simple supply and demand. Demand is there. Prices are high with and the demand's still there with a high price. Well, you know, we don't need to do anything then. We're getting paid. We're closing our budgets as an OPEC nation, Clo- or closing the, the holes in our budgets. They, they have no incentive whatsoever right now to increase output. None. OPEC isn't inclined to increase their output. They're getting paid, they're making money hand over fist. In fact, like I said, a couple of members told buying regime to go pound sand when they came begging for oil output increases. OPEC knows where, you know, where we stand and where we are energy wise right now. Some hate some of them hate our country. Some of them merely tolerate us, but they are all all of them are relishing right now the opportunity to stick it to us with high prices. Consumption's not going down. So there's no reason for them to to do things to lower the price. Now, here's what this is really about. And again, not to belabor this point, but trying to give the appearance in increasing supply through the use of the strategic oil reserves isn't going to get oil prices moving. Analysts for commodities markets see there's no increase in supply relative to consumption behind the finite amount being released. Prices are going to stay where they are. And at this point, no one was expecting a return to Trump-era energy prices. We have to restart our own production on a large scale to do that. And until we show the markets that the U.S. will issue permits for wells on productive land, the price is going to stay high, take it to the bank. What this is, it's nothing more than another smoke and mirrors show by the Biden administration in an election year, don't forget what year it is, in an election year to try and give the appearance that they are doing something about high energy prices because the Democrats know they're going to get routed in November. That is what this is. That's, oh, look, we tapped the strategic oil reserves. We took whatever we're up to now, 300 million barrels out. Now, if you think I'm being some sort of partisan hack about this, think about it for a second. Think about the timing on this. 180 days is six months. The Biden regime is planning to start their releases in May, which puts them finishing up when? November. Try to deny it all you want. This is another failed attempt by the worst presidential administration in U.S. history to try and solve a problem it created. Biden, and o- uh, Biden, uh, geez. Biden is making Obama and Carter look like Washington and Lincoln here. That is how historically bad this administration is. They go and screw something up and then they try and make it look like they had the solution and fixed what they screwed up. Only the screw up, the the solution is worse than what they did to screw it up in the first place. Uh, uh, Just unreal. This is all about the election in November. This has nothing to do with lowering gas prices. I have a, Feeling, because there are some smart people in this in this administration, they know that this isn't going to do anything. It's a political ploy. Do the math. Starts in May, ends in November. What happens in November? Elections. They can say, see, we were doing something all along to get the gas prices down. All right. Legacy media won't let the COVID fear-mongering go. They are trying to keep it going as a background distraction away from the debacle that is in the White House, that is our government. I have an AP article here about COVID and animals being the next frontier in the fight. Now, the site article is titled Into the Wild, Animals, the Latest Frontier in the COVID Fight by Laura Unger. Researchers are trying to figure out how and how much animals are spreading the coronavirus. I'll read a few lines from the story here. They're kind of good for a chuckle. Here's the first one. It says this. Scientists are concerned that the virus could evolve within animal populations, potentially spawning dangerous viral mutants that could jump back to people, spread among us, and reignite what for now seems to some people like a waning crisis. <laughs> All right. Um, this thing's been dying for a year. Just the rest of the world caught up with some of us here. All right, anyway. And then there's this beauty that should, and probably will, get me flagged for misinformation, but it won't. The coronavirus pandemic has served as a stark and tragic example of how closely animal health and human health are linked. While the origins of the virus have not been proven, many scientists say it is likely uh, to have jumped from bats to humans, either directly or through another species that was being sold live in Wuhan, China. All right. Believe what you want. That's the great thing about this country, right? And then this last one, this one will give you a good chuckle, I think. And fair warning on this one, swallow whatever you're drinking first. All right, ready? Here we go. To minimize the risk of exposing animals to COVID, the men, these are the men that are testing the animals, are fully vaccinated and boosted and get tested frequently. <laughs> you can... oh, We can't make this stuff up. Hollywood couldn't write this. So much science to follow here. Where do we start? Now, I fully acknowledge the possibility of vi- animal virus reservoirs. We've seen it before. It's happened before. It will happen again. But how did it get to the animals? How does it get to animals? I don't know. Maybe it's getting to them this way. Humans jabbed with a leaky therapeutic injection that go about swabbing bear noses. Maybe that's how it gets to the animals. That might be a good start. I don't think it's the trash pandas that are going through your garbage on bin day because it's already been well established that the virus doesn't do well or spread effectively on surfaces thinking we're probably all right there. And from what I see, there doesn't seem to right now be any consensus on where the virus originated from. I think we still have two separate and distinct camps. We still have those who say it jumped from the wet market to people, from the bats there to the people. But, you know, let's ignore the fact that, oh, this wet lab or this wet market was just a few blocks from a bio lab with inaque- inadequate safety protocols for handling dangerous viruses. And then there are those that say it came from the lab, of course. I'm going to go with it's the lab, especially since the WHO hasn't ruled out that uh, it didn't come from the lab. The WHO has, is still out there saying that this is very plausible it did come from the lab that it leaked from the lab let's assume the best that it was just incompetence and handling and and safety protocols and not something malicious oh the emails to from from, uh, Fauci himself are out there I mean this came from the lab I mean give me a break but since we don't have total consensus on it let's let's present both sides to be fair right and the WHO here, I see with them saying this, I, I'm guessing here that they are hedging their bets for when the truth finally does come out. They probably know more than they let on. Uh, the, the British government is is on record acknowledging that the lab is the most likely source of this virus. Now, let's look at this article. I see this article there. I'll put it in the description box. I, I see the purpose of the article is twofold here. One is, of course, to continue to try and conjure up fear over the COVID 19 virus uh or disease the coronavirus that's first we keep it up at the forefront animals are baking this thing now we're going to have some you know some sort of um um bear variant here that's going to turn us all into bears and we're going to grow claws and fur whatever i don't know so we're animals are spreading it Uh, yeah, I I mean they're they're spreading it because we're sending people in that with leaky injections that they've taken and still spouting virus all over the place. The second one this is a narrative booster to the climate change agenda. It's putting it out there that we can defeat the virus by not encroaching on animal habitats and limiting our interaction with wild animals. Well, you know, except for those that are out there swabbing bear noses in their dens while they're hibernating. There's a part of the story where a guy almost got bit by a wolf. You know, I come on. I, I get studying animals and whatever, but this is just, I look at this, this is just trying to keep this narrative going. That's all this is plain and simple. And it's trying to add to the climate change and the, you know, the protect the earth narrative here, which don't get me wrong, protecting the earth, right thing to do. We need to do it. Nobody wants to live in a polluted cesspool, but I mean, honestly, look at who's going around and getting in close contact with wild animals. Anyway, could it could be, it could be jumping from cows to deer or from, you know, your chickens to the coyotes that eat them. If they raise chickens, maybe, Uh, But where are the animals getting it? They're not, you know, every time you see a wild animal, they typically run the other way. Uh, You know what this is? It's the left sees their narratives are slipping here. So they're trying to invent new ways to conjure up fear and mutant viruses jumping from animals to humans. Reigniting the pandemic is one of those pathetic attempts to keep us scared. Uh, people, I think, are done with it. They'll see through this, but I <laughs> wanted to put it out there. It's a good chuckle, anyway. All right, finishing up. It's a new month. We're in April now. That means we have to pick a dolt of the month for March. I must say, we have many strong contenders for March. I would say Putin rolled into March as the front runner, but as is want to happen, American Hollywood types and political figures. Would not be denied strong consideration themselves. So we have Stephen Colbert and his not caring if gas hits fifteen dollars a gallon since he drives a Tesla and you know, also makes what fifteen million dollars a year. We got we, we've we've got his little rant on. That. He said, "Shut up, plebeian, and get a Tesla. Then you won't have to worry about gas prices. Now nah, we'll just worry about what my electricity bill is from charging my Tesla and the extra." Uh, mercury and soot and ash and whatever else being spewed into the atmosphere from the power plant sending electricity to my house and everybody else's who've plugged in their Tesla on, on a mass scale and overload the grid and <clears throat> cause a plant to have to increase electricity production. Now, you know, but, you know, we're not going to think about that. No, just just get your Tesla, Plebeian. I don't care if you don't make $15 million Let's get a Tesla. All right, we have Kintanji Brown Jackson entering the race here for DOLT of the Month with her not being able to answer a simple question because she felt she was not credentialed enough. I'm not a biologist, she said. Yeah, you don't seem to be much of a judge either, but you know, that's not stopping our uh, buffoon president from nominating you for a seat on the Supreme Court, but that's a whole other story that we've already talked about. Uh, But I think here we've got uh, one more, one more serious candidate anyway. Maxine Waters came swooping in at the last minute and snatched this month's award like a bald eagle swooping down on the water and grabbing a fish. Maxine Waters told a group of homeless people who showed up to an event with the understanding that Section 8 housing vouchers were going to be given out to go home. Yes, James Brown's twin sister told homeless people to go home. That foot-in-the-mouth moment of showing how little Waters cares for her constituency and how little self-awareness she has earns her the Living with Liberty Dolt of the Month Award for March. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with the knowledge uh, for fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.